Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi Welcome everybody to Nothing But Facts on Wednesday in which we are discussing the affairs of the Ummah. And uh, we will then go back to the Ramadan prep QA because we just had way, way, way too many questions yesterday. And it just revealed that there's a hunger, you know, a great hunger to for people to learn their Fardain, like the fundamentals. Fardain is what every Muslim has to know. And there's a great hunger for that. And that's really important to feed that and to, to be able to answer all of your questions. Okay. And this time we're going to try to do it live so that the questions right away as soon as it comes in, because we don't know if the questioner bows out right from the stream or not. So we want to answer the question as soon as it comes in. Uh, but first, we will uh, do a little story on the um, uh, affairs of the Muslims. Okay, so we'll, we're going to do affairs of the Muslims. And there isn't so much uh, today that that and, and affairs of the Muslims doesn't always mean like emergencies, right? It doesn't always have to be like some crisis that it's an affair of the Muslims. That's like negative. So the first thing we're going to do today, a U.S. city, okay, has now allowed the Adhan, all right? What U.S. city is this, okay? The city of Minneapolis in the U.S. Midwest has allowed the Islamic call to prayer known as the Adhan ahead of the holy month of Ramadan. So if you're in Minneapolis, listen up. Well, Maliki Click. Well, no, no, he's in Seattle. I got my. He's a Viking, but I thought I thought of Minnesota. All right, he used to be from Minnesota because all the Norwegians are from Minnesota. It, originally, they migrated to Minnesota. That's probably why they call them the Vikings, because there's so many Norwegians there. So the city of uh, council approved a bill presented by Jamal Usman, allowing the prayer to be recited publicly by loudspeaker between 7 a.m just nothing basically <laughs> and 10 p.m which is basically dhuhr asr and maghrib so long as the local noise ordinances are respected calling the measure a step in the right direction for religious equality usman said we have a lot of work still to do isn't that what all the activists have to always say there's still a lot of work to do right to make sure everyone is enjoying the same rights every religion is enjoying okay under the measure, Moss will be able to make the call to prayer by loudspeaker three times a day. It's sort of nice. That's really nice. It's wonderful. Imagine that you're sitting in your, you can hear the adhan from your house. That's one of the big deals of, of going to, um, you know, Muslim countries to be able to hear the adhan. So now you can hear the adhan if you're from Minnesota, uh, or Minneapolis particularly, just that city, not all of Minnesota. You know, Minnesota is filled, filled with little Christian homeschools. And and it has so many churches, and and f what was her name? Uh, not Fannie Mae. Uh, there was basically a husband and wife duo. They used to be pre preachers. They had the biggest sat Christian satellite TV station. Okay, um, her name was like Manny Faye or something like that. Tammy Faye. Tammy Faye. Who here remembers Tammy Faye from the eighties? Well, I don't remember her at all, but there was a movie made about her. So Tammy Faye and her husband. Um, Baker something Baker well they had the biggest Christian satellite TV channel and they were out of out of Minnesota so I actually I had a case in Minnesota I know a, a little bit about Minnesota because I was called to be an expert witness right there's nothing better than being an expert witness right 
because you basically get to go out there, tell the truth, right? Answer some questions about your profession and you get paid from the moment you step out of the door until you get back home, right? I, I loved it. And what I had to do was to prove or to show that nothing in the, in the curriculum of a certain Muslim-run charter school was Islamic, right? That they weren't preaching anything Islam. There was no Tawheed. There was no Sirat taught there because they're not allowed to teach that. But they were accused of teaching that, right? So they're not allowed to teach that. And the reason they were accused of teaching that is the Arabic books. And you know all these Arabic books. They all have like, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So even a most secular Arabic book, they're going to give you a verse of Quran, a verse of the, the Christian, you know, the Arabic Bible. They're going to have different samples. So they had samplings of that, and the people didn't like it. So they, uh, uh, they, they sued the Islamic school. It wasn't Islamic school, Muslim-run charter school. So uh, I ended up not even getting to testify, unfortunately. But I did have to sit in a, uh, um, a deposition. That was so fun, right? Sitting in a deposition. Because the guy, he tries to rile you up, right? Because the way the deposition works is they take the witness, they sit you down, they put a camera up, and they ask you a whole bunch of questions. This is all about, I guess what they, it says like, you know, just to know what your evidence is. If you then go onto the stand and you say something opposed to what you said in the deposition, okay, then you're in perjury. You're in trouble. So I get there and I'm like, I got, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not lying for anybody. I, all I know, I'm saying is the truth, right? So the guy kept trying to rile me up and get me angry and get me upset and then and confuse me by asking me a million different detailed questions. He couldn't get me angry, right? And what I would do is to try to get him angry, right? What do I have to lose, right? I got nothing to lose. I have literally nothing to gain or lose. Every minute I'm sitting here, is a billable hour, right? And and he's paying it, right? Because he wants to depose me. So he's paying it. So I'm saying, I was trying to get him angry. It was so fun, I'm telling you. It was almost like uh, like having a Twitter debate, but live. And I saw some people get flustered, right? And 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 nervous. And I'm thinking, why are you getting nervous? That guy, This guy's putting on a performance, right? You think he's really a jerk like this? It's just a job, right? He's putting on a performance. I'm having fun with this. I didn't get flustered at all. Even the guy told me, he's like, man, you know, you, you did a good job because we were any, he, and he's supposed to hate me. Right. Cause he's suing. He's from the ACLU. He's suing the Muslim charter school. Right. But I'm like, let's look at this. This is all, it's just a job. Nobody, you all, every, every lawyer, very rarely do they get emotionally attached to their case. So anyway, the point being is that when they showed us the charter schools, when we had to do research on the charter schools, they got like hundreds of Christian charter schools. That means the governor pays. The government pays for a charter school. But you just can't teach religion there. Well, guess where these charter schools all are? All are? In, the, a same, in the back room of the church, for example. So it's so obviously it's like a church-run operation. And they're using the government money. The day ends at 3. The school day ends at 3. And then they add an extra hour of optional Christian studies. So all they did is, because the, the government says, well, your day, you have from 7 to 3 to run the school. So they'll start their day a little bit later, and they'll have this optional Christian studies class, which happens to be in the building next door. So they were all doing it. And the Muslims tried to get into the game, too. You know what got the Muslims down? It wasn't this. 
the Muslims lost that case because what they did was they got some Muslims to buy land and they bought or bought a school. A, a couple of rich Muslims bought a school. Then they applied to for a charter school and then rented that land that the Muslims bought, right? So that the Muslims are benefiting as the, the landlords too. Now that would not have been a problem except for one thing. They had the same exact people on the boards of both. That you can't do. So if you if you're sitting on the board of one school, uh, of 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 one end of the business, and you're and, and it's a nonprofit, and then you're on the board of another building, okay, you can't do that, right? Because you're then benefiting the nonprofit for a for profit. Now, even I think they argued that they technically weren't on the same board, but they were all on the same board of the same mosque. That's the thing, right? So in that way, they they did go down because of that, and it was shut down. But I had fun being a uh, expert witness, right? I loved every minute of it. So when they were doing the billing, I was like, "Listen, I don't want to put you guys uh, in a hole because I want to serve the, the the community here, and I don't want to put you guys in the hole. So you guys tell me what to put for the billing." And he's like, "Oh, don't worry about it. Insurance is covering it. We're not covering it." I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, then tell me what what their expert witness is getting, right? What is their expert witness getting?" And he told me, I said, put, give me that. It was like 150 an hour or something like that. Give me what he's getting. So, and then I was like, then he's like, billable hours. I didn't know how to do this. It was my first time doing this. He's like, uh, well, I said, well, what time did we start? We started here at 8 p.m. We went to like 12. He said, no, no, no. You tell, you put it down from when you left the house in New Haven when I was living in New Haven. Left the house in New Haven. All the, I was like, what kind of, this is a scam. Sign me up, right? Uh, it was a total, I was like, from the time I left, he's like, yeah, that's how it works. That's how law works, right? We're taking you out of your time, right? For being an expert witness. From the moment you leave your home to get into the car, to go to the airport, which is two hour drive to JFK, to, to like JFK airport, which is then two hours waiting in the airport. Then the flight, two, three hours, uh, half a day, basically. But this is my time, I guess. So anybody else needs expert witness? Alhamdulillah. Uh, it's a fun job. You should do it. Now, anyway, back to Minneapolis, Minnesota. Under the measure, the mosque will be able, mosques, many masjid, any masjid in Minneapolis, will be able to make the call to prayer by loudspeaker three times a day, except for the morning and night prayers, provided the volume is below a certain decibel limit. Well, if they said 7 to 10 p.m., then in the winter, you could technically get Aisha in there too. Well, you will get Aisha in there too, right? The Adhan is one of the most important parts of our faith, said Osman. I guess he's like player of the game today, right? Jamal Osman from Minneapolis. I don't know him. I don't know his politics. But in this, for this, he gets player of the game, right? Osman wrote on Twitter, at, he gets the game ball today, adding that the call can be made at the same hours allowed for Christian church bells. All right. Really good. Okay. And he tweets, today the council passed a resolution commemorating Ramadan. I don't care about the commemoration. It was an honor to help carry it and help share my faith with the city. One of the notable things with the resolution was we acknowledge that the call to prayer was legal in Minneapolis. And then he goes on. And now he tells us, Here's the resolution. So I've, nev I've never seen one of these resolutions, but let's let's read it. Sounds very official. It looks very official. It's got a seal, and it says resolution in, in Trajan text. You know Trajan? Anything Roman, anything like really formal, they use Trajan. 
it's actually Trajan. I thought it was Trajan for like 20 years. But um, uh, my wife reads about the Caesars, Julius Caesar and all those guys. And she's like, no, it's Trajan. I was like, oh, all this time I thought it was Trajan. But it's Trajan. It's a very formal font. Ryan, you see this? You know this font. You see this font where it says resolution? Yeah, really formal uh, uh, Roman style font. That's, it's called, oh, you can't see it because here, you see this? Yeah, that's really nice, big spacing. That's what you'll see like on Roman stuff, right? It's called Trajan. Well, Trajan was one of their Caesars, right? So whereas Islam is one of the world's major religions and part of our shared faith, whereas Ramadan is the holy month of Muslims worldwide, whereas one of the purposes of fasting during the holy month is for Muslims to gain better understanding of the plight faced by those who are less fortunate, Whereas Ramadan is a time to reflect spirituality, builds communally. Whereas Muslims have been part of the fabric of America for 400 years and they arrived as slaves. I think actually there are Muslims more, but there's it's hard to prove it. But there's a lot of evidence, um, like little pieces of evidence. It's very hard to prove evidence, anything from hundreds of years ago. But there is actually evidence, uh, little pieces of evidence that Muslims were there, uh, were here in America uh, as traders, as merchants. Okay, and that's why there are cities in in like middle of America called Medina and Mecca and things like that. Anyway, whether they're there or they're not, I don't know. Uh, whereas Minneapolis has become home to one of the largest populations of Somali and East Africa who are Muslim in their faith. Okay, of course, Minnesota has a huge population of Somalis. Whereas mosques around the city can celebrate this Ramadan every day with the center of the old. Uh, centuries old call to prayer now this is not just ramadan it's permanently right it's permanently it's not just in ramadan but i guess it's initiating this ramadan whereas the traditional breaking of the fast or the iftar has been celebrated countless times in minneapolis ramadan will commence at dusk uh, uh, april 2nd and will last for a lunar month the mayor and city council hereby recognize the muslim community's upcoming observance what does exactly recognize mean exactly right what does that mean you recognize it i mean i know that it's a it's a good feeling that's the summary of it right they're having good feelings they're being nice to us basically right they're being nice to us but i'm just trying to understand what does it mean to recognize it right like you know it exists yeah it's like a politically safe expression for being nice that's it it's not endorsing it but at the same time it's like we're neighbors we're we're I guess we're, we're all sort of stuck together in democracy. So let's be as nice as possible. Uh, that That's the gist I got out of it, which is fine. He says that, now Jamal Osman says that Adhan is one of the most important parts of our faith. A uh, mosque around the city can uh, call the prayer from 7 to 10. I wonder what the, how do you, how did they judge the volumes? Oh, here it is. Okay. The call should not be louder than 15 decibels. Okay. Uh, than the outside noise off the property. That's a pretty technical limit, and any masjid in the city can follow up with my office or the health department. How do you judge this? Is there a decibel meter? Uh, like put a decibel meter across the street, for example. This Ramadan and moving forward, Muslims in Minneapolis will get to hear the call to prayer. That's really great. We have uh, 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 It's a signal to the equality and community we have built there here. This is America, and we are allowed to share our faith from the rooftops just like anyone else. 
I want to thank the city staff, health department, city attorneys for their hard work, professionalism, and attention to details. All right, so here we go. And here, I guess, is the first. And then, um, no, it's not from, there's a picture of an event, a video of an event, but it, let's see. Okay, I don't know if you guys could hear this, but it's basically I'm watching Jamal Osman MN, uh, Minneapolis. I'm watching him walk around Minnesota now, and the event is going off. So it's really nice. Okay, so that's a good story. Not all stu- stories on Affairs of the Muslims are going to be a bad story. Let's see what else they said. Uh, he called the move a signal of equality. The call to prayer was first legalized in 2004 in Hamtramck, where I just came from. Minnesota, uh, 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 Detroit, Michigan, next to Detroit, Hamtramck. Uh, they had allowed this, followed by Dearborn and the only U.S. city in the same state where Muslims are a majority. The city council of Patterson, New Jersey, we made it to the news, where oh, nearly 30,000 Muslims live, was the third city. Well, then why don't I hear that then ever? From March 2020, I've been to Patterson a million times. They're allowed. They passed it. Why don't they use it? They give you a thing like that and you don't take advantage of it? All right. So that's one piece of news. Next piece of news. There's no bad news today, actually. It's just sort of general Islamic be aware of what's happening with your ummah. Dutch football star Clarence Seedorf converts to Islam. He's from AC Milan. Real Madrid, he played with them. Ajax. Right. And I'm happy to be joining the Muslim family. Does anyone know him? Right? Does anybody, uh, is anyone familiar with him? Superstar Dutch football player, Clarence Seedorf. Never heard of him. Well, I don't know half the soccer players except for Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, he announced that he's a Muslim. That's great. He's a manager for who? I guess manager, we call that coach says a special thanks to all the nice messages and celebration of me joining the muslim family i'm very happy and pleased to join the brothers and sisters around the world especially my adorable wife sophia makramati who has taught me more in-depth meaning of islam sounds like she's maghribiya i didn't change my name and will continue to care he doesn't have to uh will carry my name given by my parents clarence seedorf okay hasib said that he followed him throughout the 90s I guess he played soccer in the 90s. Hasib who? A. Hasib Malik. Okay. Uh, he, he knew about him from the 90s. Okay. that's uh, So he was a big player. Um, he was one of the most... Oh, it apparently is because he says here, considered one of the most successful players in the UEFA Champion League's history. I never knew this. Uh, Seedorf is the only footballer who won the Champions League with three clubs. Which one is that? Who? You're kidding. Actually, maybe Hasib is from NJ. Yeah, maybe. Hold on. Let me get my charger. All right. So Clarence Seedorf, he says here that he joins Khabib as one of the most prominent Muslim athletes in recent decades. I think Habib probably, you know, is up there with number one. 
Hamad Ali, of course, um, at Love Mercy Upon His Soul. Hakeem Olajuwon, who really hasn't been in the public eye after playing with the Rockets and winning all those championships. He won two when Jordan left. Huh? I heard with uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, he gave his, his rings away. Oh, he did? Like their gold rings or whatever. Mm. So he gave his NBA championship rings. The hardworking, versatile midfielder. He speaks six languages. He played on the Dutch national team uh, for 87 games. That's a lot. And in three UEFA European football championships. I can't pretend to tell you what UEFA means. but And then he played in the 1998 FIFA World Cup, reaching the semis uh, of the latter three tournaments. He retired, and then he went on to become manager of a number of teams, including AC Milan and the Cameroon national team. Last year, um, he launched the Seedorf Khabib Performance Club. So it's a football academy, and they will use a unique training methodology that fuses football and mixed martial arts. Okay? And I guess they're going to break for Salah because they're two Muslims now. We have the same mission in life. We want to give something back to the young generations. All right, nice. We are going to bring back knowledge, the coaches and methodology, fiqh and usul of, of sports, I guess, monitoring and supporting from a marketing point of view to support growth of each venue. That's basically some publicist wrote that, that last line there. All right. One more story. Muslim Americans in Alaska. You've made the news. This is today. Today's New York Times. Yesterday's New York Times. They're highlighting Muslim Americans in Alaska. What it's life like if you're a Muslim American in Alaska. Alaska. Uh, Malika Jones, uh, waiting for her packages. They say one of the problems in Alaska, it takes weeks to get a package. And what's the halal food that they have there? Caribou caribou no it's a like deer. it's like a big massive deer caribou okay and there's only one mosque okay and it is 6,700 miles from mecca okay they definitely definitely play southeast for sure <laughs> there's no you can't tell me you're praying northeast from alaska and they go huh? you don't think they go west oh southwest because it's so far over maybe i mean who knows at that point, you're going either way. You're, you're reaching Mecca either way, southeast or southwest. The mosque, their mosque is the northernmost in the country, and it's the heart of a new, most, a growing Muslim community that has 2,500 individuals. And this area is Anchorage. All right, they're immigrants, locals, converts. All right. Just to show you, just to give you an idea of what the Muslims in Alaska are like. It's your ummah, it's our ummah. The Muslim community is quite a diverse population, but we're able to come together on the common grounds of faith. Now, here's the thing. When you have masajid, you have two types of masajid. you got the town that can only afford to have one mosque because, number one, there's not that many people. right? Those masajid, those communities, you actually have to keep your actual beliefs to yourself at home. Like you're going to, you can't be, of course, they're going to be Sunni, obviously, that they're going to have that, like those major things. But the secondary things, like what, what do you believe about madahib? What do you believe about aqidah? Nobody could actually, because you're literally like 
a handful of families, right? And you only have one masjid. So it's not, it's, it, it can't be that one group takes over. That's the reality of those. So if you're like ideological and you're strong and you really care about certain aqidah points or something, that's not going to be the place for you, right? Whereas in New Jersey here, there's maybe four, five, six masjid within a 20-minute circle. Like if I was to draw a line and go out, forget 20, that's too much, just uh, 15 minutes and then 15-minute radius all uh, uh, around, okay? 15-minute radius. I can probably have five masjid. So when you're like that, you can very easily and comfortably put forth your aqidah and your manhaj if you want to be whatever from the Sunni manhaj that there that there are or whatever manhaj you want because you're not you're not forcing anyone out of the community everyone can go to a jum'ah a tarawih a a youth children's class a sunday school of their slant if you know what i'm talking about you're not forced to accommodate everybody but in these little masajid, these tiny little communities, you have to accommodate everybody. So you have to keep it to the bare minimum of what is agreed upon by all these different groups. And it's not easy because people do have strong beliefs, right? So he says here that the community is quite diverse and we come together on common grounds. Gregory Suhaib Jones is an electrician, all right? There are different ethnic groups and they have slight variations in style of their cooking, right? But the core of Islam is the same. So Malika and Gregory Jones, they actually grew up on the East Coast. They're from here. They're from our uh, area. And they moved to Alaska in 2009. And they were in South Carolina first. It looks like he is like the leader there. He was actually from South Carolina. So East Coast, they're saying East Coast broadly because usually East Coast means New York, tri-state area. But I guess they're saying East Coast broadly, South Carolina. So he moved from the sunniest, prettiest, nicest state, right, to this cold and gray Anchorage, Alaska, where they have six months of night and six months of dark. Anchorage is one of the nation's most ethnically diverse cities with more than 100 languages represented in the public school. That's insane. People often move to the area as part of the military, as new immigrants, or as refugees. I wonder what the pricing is, the, the prices of things there. Maybe that's one reason people move there too. Many from the Congo, Somalia, Sudan, Cuba, Iraq, Bhutan. Most recently, 100 from Afghanistan settled there. Heather Barber, she says that She's a leader of the local Muslim circles. She said the Islamic Community Center of Anchorage, Alaska has members from 40, 50 countries. I actually got an invitation from them once. There was a Palestinian brother who lived here. He moved there and he was raising funds to build it. And he said, come visit us. I said, I'd love to visit these exotic areas, right? But I lost touch with them when he went to Alaska. I love the fact there's so many different cultures. It makes Anchorage a very rich city. The Muslim community is a microcosm of that, right? The diversity can lead to conflict and difference of opinion, she said, but that becomes one of our greatest strengths. If you go somewhere like Chicago, New York, you'll find different mosques. See what I just told you? If you go to Chicago, New York, Tri-State area, Virginia, California, you don't have to force yourself to get along. You can go find, build your own little sub-community, and you're not taking away from anybody. It doesn't mean I'm not unified, right? 
but you can do that. You can make your own little sub masjid. So you'll find a Pakistani mosque, an Arab mosque, or an Albanian mosque. So for the first generation, they did break it down on national lines, right? Nationalistic or ethnic lines. The second generation breaks it down on doctrinal lines. That's how we break it down, right? So the second generation does not care, cares more about what your stance is or your position on certain things. And some people think that's sectarian. It's not sectarian at all, right? It's just that's what I believe and that's what I want to practice and raise my kids on. It doesn't mean I don't get along. It doesn't mean if I find you, uh, uh, my truck is moving really perfectly in the street and yours is in the snow, like I'm going to leave you by. It doesn't mean if you get oppressed, I'm not going to support you. It doesn't mean if I don't see you, I'm not going to be happy to see you as a Muslim. But you're, what you're teaching is different from what I'm teaching. So let's just keep that cool and happy and we can be friends in everything else. So I don't think it's sectarian at all. People who love to study aqidah, Okay, they will understand that on certain matters we go or are going to do things our own way and it's better to have a little bit of a safe distance. But on other matters that concern the ummah, that concern the general Muslim populace, we have to be together. Otherwise, it's that's what we call sectarianism. So then they said uh, each of the immigrant culture uh, generation, it's infused with the culture of that place. Now, because this is such a small community, we don't have that ability, so it forces us to stick to just to the religion and not let cultural differences influence what we do. Anchorage's location can pose complications for Ramadan. Now, listen, this is some fiqh involved here. During the holiday, the Muslims around the world will forego eating from dawn to dusk. We know this. Uh, breaking the fast with a feast called iftar. I don't know about a feast. It's going to put you to sleep in tarawih. But Ramadan dates very va uh, dates vary year to year. This year, Ramadan falls in the spring in the northern hemisphere. So listen to this. They will fast from 5 a.m. to 6.30 p.m. Not bad. Not bad at all. Right? I thought they're having like six hours of winter and six hours of summer. Sorry, six months of, of darkness and six months of light. Maybe that's not this part of Alaska. But when the holiday falls in the summer or winter months, the northern cities of the world must accommodate different fasting times. So this is fit here. So Anchorage experiences about 22 hours of daylight. See, that's what I'm talking about. 22 hours of daylight during the summer solstice. And the winter solstice, only five hours of daylight. To work around such extremes, Muslims in such far northern countries are given a special permission to adopt one of two things. Either the Mecca calendar or the nearest city that adopt, that follows normal times, right? So he says here, this is a unique challenge here in Alaska. When we first got here, it's like 1130 at night, and the sun is up in the sky. And we're like, what's going on here, he says. Mr. Jones said that when he moved to Anchorage, he talked to local Muslims and learned about time adjustments in the summer because it was difficult to complete three of the five prayers that our time between sunrise and sunset. You'll be getting all your prayers in between 11 a.m. and 2 a.m. And that's just not a normal lifestyle. It's not normal at all. I could not ever stay in a place that was messed up like that. He said from 11 a.m. Fedge, and then Aisha comes in at 2 a.m. <laughs> you, you can't do that, right? You're going to have to do Gemma. The Anchorage Mosque has been a work in progress for more than a decade. It's a very pretty mosque, by the way. Uh, 
For about 35 years, because I have a picture of it here. For about 35 years, members rented retail space in a strip mall. In 2008, after a fundraising effort, the group brought a plot of land off one of the city's main thoroughfares. And because paying interest on a loan is forbidding, forbidden in Islam, the mosque had to be built piece by piece as the group collected enough money. Okay. The community moved on. 2011, Yusuf Barber, a physician and a spokesperson for the center. Of course, there has to be a doctor involved. Uh, said the mosque is nearly complete with only one minaret and elevator left to add. Despite the bigger space, the building can feel crowded on Fridays. Seven to 800 people gathering for tarawih. It's a good number. That's a very strong number. The growth in the community is reflected in the increasing availability of halal food in the city. Shajid Raza moved to Anchorage in 2016 to do graduate research at the University of Alaska. And he said it was hard to find halal food at that time. Whatever. We're not reach about his, his food. Whatever. The remarkable development that there's so much halal food. All right. It's food. Next, still ingredients remain hard to find. How, how many paragraphs is New York Times going to go on about the food? Most people, if they're from different parts of the world, from Senegal or Pakistan, bring those spices in. I can't believe she's going on. Who's the author of this going on? Five paragraphs on the food. Is this really something that the editor like thinks people are going to read this? Families will buy rice, lentil, flowers, vegetables. This is like a high school paper. This is a time where we start preparing mentally, spiritually, and financially buying certain types of food. Read it to us. Hey, Instagrammers, can you? Oh, oh, it's in Arabic. Okay. Let us go in here so I can talk to. The... I wonder if the Instagrammers can hear Ryan or not. Hey, Instagrammers, can you guys hear Ryan or no? When he talks, do I have to repeat what he's saying or can you can you hear him? Okay. Next. You know, the, the part of the article that's introducing you to the community was good. The part of the article that talks about the okay, they can't really hear. That's okay. I'll repeat whatever Ryan says. The part of the article that says that. You know, how do they fast? You got six days, 22 hours of daylight, five hours of daylight. That's interesting. But the second, third part of the article, which is on and on about food. Do people really read about food, Ryan? Like, is that a thing? Hungry people, Hungry people I guess, right? But I mean, I guess it's a thing, right? That people like to read about food. I feel like the association with food, uh, the common association of Ramadan is food. Well, the whole the, thing is food. I guess like the but it's supposed to be the reverse. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny. Okay, um, okay. Let's look at the comments, right? The comments here. Prakash Nadkari says paying interest on a loan is forbidden Islam. This is misleading. <laughs> really? What fic are you following? Lending money at interest was traditionally forbidden. Consequently, participating in a transaction involving interest was also frowned upon. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know what he's saying. Uh, 
Okay, Rebecca has a question here. She says, to work, the quote, to work around such extremes, Muslims in far northern countries are given special permission to adopt a timetable of Mecca. So she says, permission from whom? I've always understood that Islam is like Judaism and there's no established earthly authority. If you don't like what one leader says, you can go find another. Okay. Um, yes, there is no earthly authority, but of course we do have a concept of fatawa, right? Where, huh? Uh, Read it. Who's who's the author of the fatwa? Author of the fatwa. Um, where that be at the bottom? Yeah. Doctor Al Muslih. Those fatwa are uh, they're popular fatwa. Abdullah ibn Ibn uh, Abdul Aziz Al Muslih. Al Muslim, I don't know who Muslim. he is. Hmm. All right, so that's that article about the. Uh, that's our Muslim news for the day, and we can open it up now for your Ramadan QAs. There were so many Ramadan QAs yesterday that let us uh, pick it up again for those who want to do a Ramadan QA. Feel free, and it's an open QA for the Ramadan only. Questions related to either the fiqh of praying in the northern and latin hemispheres that we read you want to ask a question about or make a comment about the muslim news or we go straight to ramadan prep so with the ramadan qa yeah what do you think about like organizing it in a way of like same way that the metan organizes it in like the so we don't just have random questions from different parts of the fiqh instead it's like first questions on the uh okay Thing is, uh, yeah, that would make logical sense, but it might not work for the uh, okay for the people here because they might just have different questions. All right, we got free for all. We have some free for all. Free for all. Right all right, let's hear it. But it has to be Ramadan related. Yeah. Okay. I'm gonna try to type each of these questions. So, yeah. women on their menses should they avoid eating during Ramadan? Women upon Haid. Okay. Here's how it works. A woman, a man, and anybody who begins the day. Ends the day with an excuse. And in the middle of the day, the excuse is gone. That is the only category of the person who is not fasting, who will continue, who will, who will abstain from eating. If your excuse exists for the entire day, then you may eat the entire day. Is that clear? So anyone who begins the day with an excuse to not eat, and then that excuse like disappears in the middle of the year, day or is nullified in the middle of the day or is no longer there, that's the only type of person. So if a woman has hayd the entire day, yes, she she may eat because she has an excuse, just like someone sick the entire day or someone traveling the entire day. Isra says, I didn't know it was fard to read aloud prayers aloud. Yes, it is fard. But if you didn't uh, do that for in the years to pass, th then you do not have to. It was Sunnah Mu'akkada, sorry. It is Sunnah Mu'akkada, and you will not have to um, make up all of those prayers in the past. So, what is out loud? The bare minimum of out loud is that you can hear yourself. 
bare minimum of silent is that you're moving your tongue. And the maximum of silent is that you can hear yourself. So hearing yourself is the minimum, maximum of silent and the minimum of out loud. Okay, Safi says, is it preferred for women to pray tarawih at home or in the masjid? In general, all of the salah of a woman the, in the four madhabs is preferred to be at home. Okay, but And praying in the masjid is permitted. Someone, Of course, there's value to praying in the masjid too. There's different values. There's seeing your Muslim friends, etc., etc., hearing the Qur'an from like a reciter. Someone asked, this is Ibn Tarablus, son of uh, Tripoli, says... Someone asked, how do they make up four Ramadans missed due to heedlessness? You miss them due to heedless or someone. It's not him. Someone else. It's due to heedlessness. That means you intentionally didn't fast 120 days. And you owe 120 makeup days and 120 kafaras. A kafara... You're making me get my calculator out. $108,000. Your kafara. What? Wait. I did 120 times 30 times 30. Oh, no, no. That's 120 times, times 60. 130, 120 times 60. 120 times 600. Oh, yeah, times 600 72,000 72,000 bucks dollars you owe your car what is a kafara <laughs> that's like if, if it's a mercedes <laughs> what is a kafara first of all kafara is to feed it is the punishment of disrespecting the month purposely breaking the fast ramadan only has two obligations two pillars intention to fast and the avoidance of what breaks the fast if you intentionally, without any excuse, there's no misunderstanding here. You just intentionally broke your fast. You owe something called kafara. The value of a kafara is if you eat 60 poor Muslims. The two handfuls of food. That two handfuls of food is going to be around $10. 60 times 10, $600 is the punishment of breaking one fast. It's the kafara. Expiation of your sin. You didn't respect God's will. God, he gave you everything. Allah gave you eyes. Free. He gave you lungs. Your heart beats without anything. What's the price for all this? It's ibadah. Obey his obligations, right? That he made and avoid his prohibitions. That's the price we pay, right? Now, if you intentionally broke that fast, you have to do kafara. Now, this individual, miskeen, really, we should help him pitch in. He should start a GoFundMe. You know that you can do that. You can help someone pay his kafara. Okay? Someone turns their life around. GoFundMe for kafara. Okay? Um, 70, he owes 120 days of fasting. Doesn't have to be in order. And he owes kafara of 72 grand. Good luck. So he owes 120 days. Times 600 each. That's the kafara. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. So you're going to actually pay that off for the rest of your life. If you pay, if you, if he pays $500 a month, right? He's going to do that 
so let's open the calculator again. I mean, most people could do $500 a month. All right, let's say he can't do that. Let's say he could do 300 a month. Okay, that's going to take him 20 years at $300 a month for the next 20 years. But that's also, you're, you're, you're benefiting people. People are eating because of you. Hey, best if Kafara is the same in all the Madahib, though. Oh, it's no. This is the lenient one. Are are the Kafara the same in all the Madahib? This is the lenient one. Okay. Because all the other Madahib said, if you're capable, you have to fast 60 straight days as a Kafara for one day. The, the poor guy can't even fast one day, right? He's going to fast 60 straight days. Maliki Madhav is the only one that gives you the choice. Fast fast 60 in a row or feed 60 per day for the sanctity of the month of Ramadan. The sanctity. Okay. The sanctity of it. That's why if you have an excuse or a, 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 a genuine and a reasonable misunderstanding. Ta'wir qareeb. Genuine and reasonable misunderstanding, then you don't pay the kafara. Genuine and reasonable. That means you told anybody this, they'd say, oh, yeah, yeah, it is a good question. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not, right? Like that. We have a good kafara question. Kafara question. Go ahead. And you feed people in other countries where food will be much cheaper. Good question. Really good question. This is some good lawyering right there. And if he's Hamid, but he's from Harvard, that's why. Right? He's from Harvard. So you can probably go down uh, to a place where you can get a meal for a dollar. Right? So you're now down to, uh, he owes 120 days. Right? And his kafara will be six, like $60. So now you're down to $7,200. Right? So you have to find a country where a meal is a dollar. You know? And but they have to find someone who will deliver that meal to a Muslim. Uh, we mean a charity organization. We're not going to go find a random person. It's going to be a charity organization, such as Islamic Relief. So go ask Islamic Relief, where is the poorest country that you serve in? And then pay the fidya. Hey, Ryan, could you look that up? Like, where does Islamic Relief serve? Let's say I wanted to give money to, uh, if I'm in this situation, Bangladesh, maybe. Um, Chad, right? Chad, maybe. So we'll see. Uh, sister here, she she is asking. Okay. Uh, oh shoot, my my Instagram just um, refreshed, so I lost a lot of your questions. But I think the sister name here, named Salam or Selma, she said that did the women have to pray out loud too? The answer is yes. Frankie Gan says, how much is it in Jeddah? Yeah, so whatever two handfuls of food your local mosque should tell you. If I if if you're joining just now, uh, uh sorry, if you were joined before us, I had my Instagram refreshed. I lost your questions. Put your question again. Mm. I'm on Islamic Relief, and they said they have food aid, emergency launch to help families facing famine. So how much is a meal there? This is Madagascar. Madagascar. South Sudan, Yemen, Nigeria. Okay. Um, so the question is, if you're doing it to these countries, then if it's a Muslim country, does that count? Or do you have to make sure that the person 
is like on Tawheed. No, you can't you can't just estimate throw to a Muslim country. Yeah. You have to tell your wakil, your agent, yeah, Islamic yeah. relief, this is fidya or kafara that will go to a Muslim, poor Muslim in the form of food. Yeah. Yeah. So it says ten dollars is a hot meal though. Ten dollars. Yeah. That's, what that's not is. good. That's still a lot. Yeah. That doesn't change anything for for this poor guy. Ibn Travel is absolutely not allowed to use Ibn Taymiyyah's fatwa of just make tawbah for fasting. He said that for fasting. I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't do that. It's a fatwa. That's like one person's opinion. Is there maybe the whole Hanif Hanbali Madhab has that? I don't know. Is there more of a penalty if the broken fast is from many years ago? It doesn't make a difference. It's a debt you owe to Allah. Your eyes are free, your ears are free. All right, Allah may give you a face. Your heart's beating for free. It's a debt to Allah. Pay your debts to, to your creator and you will find the creator has turned to you with generosity. How to stay sincere in desperation in dua when you feel comfort and trust in Allah? That's a good question. I feel I trust Allah so much. How do I have any desperation? Because hardships are always raining upon the world and we're headed into a very difficult era that we're headed to that the forces of Dajjal are all around us. Okay? The forces of Shar, of Kufr, of Fasad are so strong that our only success going forward is going to be by Tadarru' desperate dua. This is going to, and, and, and keeping the Sahaba of Muslims. That's going to be our only save salvation. Right. So if you are feeling that right now I'm comfortable, yeah, that's wonderful. Allah is great to us, alhamdulillah. But the world itself is not that great. The forces of Iblis are strong. So you need to worry about that. And that's going to make you feel like we need help. Okay. Next, Ryan, what you got? Remember, Instagrammers, if you put your question, my Instagram unfortunately refreshed. I slipped, my finger slipped. And so I need you to write your questions again a second time if I haven't answered it yet. Okay. So one person mentioned that places like Islamic Relief, they also, they do have like Fidya and Sadaqa and Zakah options. And But someone separate from that asked, is it better to pay Fidya during Ramadan? Is it better to pay? It's better to pay all your Fidya, Kafara, Zakah during Ramadan because the things are rewarded more. You go to Islamic Relief, they do have pages for Fidya and Kafara. I like you. I would prefer to give it to my local masjid so that the local poor can can eat uh, of the community. But the issue is, the person had an exorbitant amount of fast that he owed, which is a very high kafara. So, can he go to another country where I can't imagine? It doesn't make any sense that the fidya of the U.S. Uh, dollar is the same as the fidya in Chad. That makes no sense, right? A handful of food, by the way, is a handful of food even ten dollars? They said it's a if you said it's a dollar in Bangladesh. A dollar. So that's your makraj. One dollar is the is the price of the fidya. So the kafara is sixty dollars. All right. So go to a bang bang some Bangladesh relief organization and pay them the kafara. Right? You could pay it over years if you need seventy two hundred dollars. Eat much easier than 72,000, right? So I have a question following up. Mm -hmm. is, the, is the burden of that missed fast 
not lifted until the fidya is distributed or once you pay it is it done with on your end it is not the kafara is not done with unless it's distributed you must be sure that your agent which we call wakil in sharia is a reliable distributor if you know he's a reliable distributor then khalas, as soon as you pay it you know he's going to distribute it okay if he's like islamic relief it's a reliable distributor right any advice for converts living with non-Muslim family during the month of Ramadan? Take a nap during the day, go out in the morning, do some gardening in the afternoon. No, oh, isn't there the hadith, the hadith about like the person who's fasting and and they're sitting with people who are eating? Yeah. The angels mm-hmm. like, are waiting for the door. What, what's the hadith? Uh, that's a good one. Could you look it up? Yeah. I can't remember that hadith actually about someone who is fasting, but he's sitting with people who are not fasting. But in general, there's something called dhikrullahi fil ghafilin, the remembrance of Allah amongst the heedless. And there's a power to that to remember Allah amongst the heedless. And there's a special reward of a place in paradise called Tuba, which Tuba literally means blessing, but it's also a location. It's a valley in paradise. Wadi. Jannah, right? It's a, uh, oh, oh, if uh, it's a valley in paradise, Tuba. It's a place in paradise. Don't don't quote me on on valley. I'm, I'm I was thinking of something else. Was a valley it, that was Jahannam, but it, it's a place in paradise for the minorities, Muslims who are minorities their entire life. So, so I would say um, you need to strengthen yourself by the companionship of Muslims. See, Suhba. We work like osmosis, in a sense. If I hang around with the people, I'm going to get weak. If they don't, if they're pulling me in a certain direction, if I hang out with another group of people, I'm going to get strong. So, as much as you can, balance out the company that you keep. All right, so that you're keeping company with Muslims as much as you're keeping company with people who are not concerned with the month of Ramadan. And then with the Hadith, Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, uh, he entered into the home of Um Umara. And she served him food. The Prophet said, Will you eat? She said, Indeed, I am fasting. And the Prophet, mm-hmm. he said, Verily, angels send blessings upon a fasting person when others eat in their presence until they finish. SubhanAllah. Angels are sending blessings according to this hadith. Who narrated the hadith? This is Um narrated. Yeah, which book? This is Tirmidhi. Tirmidhi narrates a hadith. The angels send blessings on a people who fast. Amongst those who are eating. Sounds usually like me and Ryan, basically. <laughs> hey, listen, you know what we need? We need an iPhone jack with a splitter so that you can get mic'd up too for Instagram. Mm. Yeah. Is there any techie who's on That's Instagram or YouTube right now? Could you look up for us a iPhone jack, not USB, the old iPhone jack, that leads to a splitter where you could put two mics and then I could be mic'd up with this this mic, and Ryan can be mic'd up, so the people could, the Instagrammers could hear Ryan when he talks. Because we have the mic over here, huh? We have one of these mics. So we have that. Is it a splitter? This is that's a splitter. This is a splitter, but not. So we need a sl- splitter female. You know the receiver. You know they call them male and female, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's what they're called, males and females. Uh, Frankie G, does getting slapped by Will Smith break your fast? <laughs> Probably going to some event with all those Hollywood actors will probably break your fast. <laughs> uh, in Pakistan, it would be RS20. That's like 50 pence. 
Uh, RS is the currency, I guess. Rupees, 20 rupees. That's like 50 pence, which is like 50 pence would be 75 cents. Okay. I didn't realize Mahem is in, all this time Mahem is actually in, in England. It looks like she's in England because she said pence, which is British. Subhi. Subhi. He says she can say she's doing intermittent fasting, right? Pretty smart. I'm doing intermittent fasting. It is intermittent. Ramadan, I fast. Shawwal, I eat. Or daytime, I fast. Nighttime, I eat. Okay. There was a guy who was praying in the airport one time, and when they asked him what he's doing, he said yoga, right? Yoga? So they let him go. Farah 927. Do women who are nursing and or pregnant have to make up their fast? They, Women who is nursing or pregnant is not sick in herself. The woman who's pregnant is sick in herself. Pregnant is sick in herself. She she breaks her fast and she eats later. Uh, she break she makes her fast later. Okay. Qada. Woman who is breastfeeding, she must try to fast. If she starts going dry and the baby's suffering, then only then can she break her fast. And when she owes her fast, she owes qada and fidya. Now remember what these two words are. Qada is makeup fast. Fidya is to feed one poor Muslim. Why? Because anyone who has to break their fast for the sake of someone else, that type of person uh, has to do make up their fast and pay fidya. Like who? Surgeons have this. Bus drivers have this. Women who are breastfeeding have this. Okay. Bushra Begum says, what if you were a little ignorant in the in the teenage years and don't remember how many fasts you broke? Hanafi opinion, please. Overestimate is your answer. You must overestimate. So let's say, what is it going to be? 20? 30? Overestimate it. So that you'd you be guaranteed that you got it. Okay? All right. So... Uh, we have a question from Tawseef. Tawseef, go. Can you clarify, does taking a PCR test invalidate the sound? Just taking a PCR test, which is they just put something up your nose, right? Yeah. Yeah, there's no invalidation of the sound there. Okay. But if, what if you take the PCR test and somehow it, mucus starts to go down your throat? No, mucus, no. It's within you. But vapor, yes. Vapor in your nose and down your throat breaks your fast. Mucus does not. So we have a follow-up to that. Um, conveniently, it's the next question. Do, humi do humidifiers with scent break one's fasting? Humidifiers break your fast because you're inhaling a vapor that makes that will make a droplet and go down at your, your throat. The, the key is fluid in the throat or solids in the stomach. That's what breaks the fast in terms of the food. Tibet, TBNSM says it's a tree. Wait, what? what is a tree? I missed that. What is a tree? Did we mention anything that would be relate to a tree? So she can clarify. Hey, uh, this sister who about the convert, we do have a convert WhatsApp group. And I'm going to put Alicia's email yeah, you get it, yeah. right here. Alicia Stigall at safinasociety.org. Uh Okay. 
for convert. Subhanallah. It's like someone was listening. Yeah, what happened? Uh, maybe this is someone from the stream that texted me. Yeah. A flyer from some minhaj. I think that's what it's called. It says $1 a meal. $1 a Help meal. Field, field All right. So one. Do- can you put it up so that they could see it? The flip phone connection is not so. It's hard to make yeah, that true. transition. Or if they give you a, a link. All right. Rinsing water up the nose and in the mouth. All that's fine. Because when you do your nose, you don't go all the way up your nose. You're going to get hurt like that. It's going to hurt. You ever were a kid and you're learning how to swim and you inhaled that uh, into your nose, that chlorine water, right? It's not, you're not supposed to uh, to clean your nose like that in wudu, that extreme, that it, it's a point that you hurt yourself. So it's not going into your throat, but you can do water. Yes. In the uh, break it, dur- during your fast. No problem. So I have a question. Yeah. So yesterday I met somebody doing the dawah table and we were like bonding over the fact that he swims. And I like to swim too. Nice. But he swims on Mondays and the next time he's going is next Monday. Yeah. So it's not a good strategy to go during um, during fasting, right? Because no, it's not talk. a good strategy to do an unnecessary swim during the month of Ramadan yeah. because you might get water in your mouth. But if you can just go in the kiddie pool and not go <laughs> under, that should be fine. Uh, this question says... Making wudu, no problem. You can do your mouth. You can rinse your mouth out because you're hot. You can rinse your mouth out to clean out your your mouth. No problem to do that while fasting. What if you sleep more during fasting earns reward? What if one sleeps more during fasting earns rewards? That's the question. And the answer is, it's not a problem to sleep more, but at the same time, uh, uh, the... uh, a day of fasting should involve more ibadah than lahu. Lahu. Lahu is waste of time. Right? Lahu is a waste of time. I'm a convert. Salam says, Aisha, I'm a convert with a non Muslim family that has dogs. No problem. Then you're going to adopt the Maliki school. We do not consider dog saliva to be najis. We just say that it's forbidden for a Muslim to keep a dog in the house because the angels of mercy do not come in the house. So what you're going to do is you're going to close off. Your fast does not get invalidated, nor does your salah at all. Nothing gets invalidated. But I would highly recommend you make a little mosque area in your room, close your door, and the dog doesn't come into your room. You do have control over your room, right? So that's what you should do. That's my advice. Hey, Ryan, could you look up, he tells us, solo wit. Oh, tells us that there's an iPhone to female splitter. And we already have the mic, right? So iPhone to female splitter. All right. We could probably get it at the tech store too. Yeah. Yeah, I see it. Handswear is a go-to dictionary. Is there a better one? Yeah, there's a website that is, is thorough. It's good. It's easy. It's called Al Ma'ani. It's a website. All right. TBN SM says, I thought Tuba is a tree in heaven. And her name is Tuba. Wow. SubhanAllah. No, uh, Tuba. Yeah, we should look that up, to be honest with you. Because what I remember is that it is a place in heaven for the people who were Muslims as minorities. They were Ghuraba. Ghuraba. Fatuba lil Ghuraba. That hadith. It is said that Tuba is means blessing 
are the strangers, but also Tuba is a place. Okay. In paradise. Is the hands were app the shorter version? Yeah, I don't even know about the app, to be honest with you. Is there a group of recovering Salafi WhatsApp group? Yes. Just join ArcView. There's a lot of recovering Salafis and non-Salafis. Is it just me or there's no audio on IG? It's No, it must be. Just put the volume up on your phone because we should be fine. Join myarcview.org. Let me type it in here for you. We're constantly improving this website and this experience for people. Live classes are on pause and they're going to start up again May 22nd. Al Ma'ani is a website and I believe they have an app too. Isra says, Is it haram for Muslim women to put on perfume outside? It is. The Prophet forbade that so that people don't be staring at her, looking at her, getting attention. And Murabita, do you have any recommendations for learning about Madiki Fiqh online in English? We just finished the semester. We're halfway through Ibn Ashir. May 22nd, we pick up again. So, and you can from now, so Al Murabita, from now until May 22nd, you can catch up on the past missed classes by signing up from myarcview.org and just go to Arcview Basic, right? It's only $10 a month, which is basically free. And you could watch all of the previous classes. And then May 22nd, we start the live class again. All right. So I have a question here. Yes. So a couple questions about the incense or and I also mentioned like spray deodorant and things mm -hmm. are these permissible at all to use if there's a chance of them going down the throat. Say again. Is it permissible to use incense or oud or spray deodorant or whatever if there's a chance of it going down the throat? Incense or oud or deodorant if there's a chance for it going down the throat. Do you you can spray it on yourself uh in the um on your your torso not your mouth <laughs> but i have to tell you sniffing good sense is makruh in the medic method while fasting because they consider it from the pleasures right so it's just makruh sniff good sense cozy chloe gives us an idea she says the morning athkar on safina side channel is really good but it's 22 minutes long it doesn't take me 22 minutes he was reciting slowly right yeah i we need a fast version you could do it in 13 i do it in I do it in five minutes. I do it so quickly, right? But I don't rush. I just I just do it quickly. So we need to record another one. Yeah, we need to record another one. So uh, Cozy Chloe, we're going to record a second one, right? Which that's faster. Titi Ansari says, what should we do to ensure there is protection and barakah in a new home if we move to a new place? Uh, do a lot of ibadah and dhikr there. Reciting, Brian, what you got? Reciting from Ms. Shif Wisdom, mm -hmm. reciting the Quran in Ramadan, any particular time, more better in general. Reciting Quran and Dhikr. Ramadan, of course. It, particularly inside of Ramadan, is there a specific time? A specific time inside of Ramadan, the end of Asr, right before Maghrib comes in. 
and right before sahur for fetch Nuri Pai, is it permissible for someone to pick the easiest method due to a severe chronic illness? Yes, that's a reason. That's a justification to move around your methods. You have a severe chronic illness. That's something you need. Nuran HS, she says, is fast invalid if one was under the assumption that the intention at the start of the month sufficed. It do, that, that does suffice. That does suffice. In the Madiki school, all you need is intention at the start of the month for the whole month. And the only time you need to renew it is if you missed hide, sickness, travel, whatever reason, you missed a day with a valid excuse. You need to renew the intention for the day after until the rest of the month. Let's say somebody initiated at the beginning of the month fasting, then they had hide then they were sloppy about checking and they realized it's the day of it's fedj and i have to fast but they never made the intention that day has to be made up as one qada not kafara just one qada can there be two intentions while fasting weight loss and the fard of ramadan don't do that i don't think you should do that just ramadan you don't need intention for weight loss Right? Because you have to fast anyway. Okay. Uh, nasal spray. Yeah, it will break your fast. Yes. It is going to go down into your throat. Quick easy says. Nuran says, does this apply for after a week of Haid? You renew your intention. Okay. You mentioned having to renew your intention. Yes. So if Haid or 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 sickness or travel interrupts your month you renew your intention one and, and it's only in the heart intention is only in the heart okay you don't have to say anything in your heart so i hope that answers neuron's question i've been making dua for a long time i received a dream which was interpreted now i have whispers to relax the dua if you ever feel that you have a reason to relax your du'a because I got what I needed, then shift your dhikr to shukr, to gratitude. Say alhamdulillah. Say alhamdulillah. You answered my prayer, and it is very possible that a person makes a du'a. Then he gets a sign from Allah, whether it be from a dream or other ways, that your du'a has been answered. Your responsibility now is to believe it, and is to be grateful, and it's to continue du'a ibadah. If you feel like, I'm not, I'm not, stressed about it anymore shift to hamd and shukr which is to worship allah with the intent of being grateful and then you make dua again later on okay and when you receive a sign that your dua has been answered that maybe you don't know how long it's going to take until it actualizes i love how you know like in our methodology and, and our belief like it's not even about the sign or the means anyways like the sign and the means is just Anyways, pointing to Allah mm-hmm. the whole time. So it, it's like it's not even about the means. Yeah. It's not about the means or the signs. It is about your direction being to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as much as you can. Okay. Now here we go with other questions. We got one right here. Go ahead. If women who haven't made up their previous years of missed fasts, should, should they continue fasting in the next coming Ramadan? The question is, if women... 
have missed days, but they haven't made up the days, and the next Ramadan has come, correct? Yes. She fasts her Ramadan like everybody else, and after Ramadan, she makes up the previous year's fasts plus one fidya per day. Because of the delay, to make up for that delay, she owes now one fidya per day. And a fidya, as we said, is feeding one poor Muslim. All right, we've got a lot of other questions here, for example. What to do if one wakes up after suhoor? You keep fasting. And Murabita says, how do you get the most out of Ramadan when busy with exam and work? Be suhoor, the dua before iftar, and the dua after suhoor, before fajr. Before suhoor. Are there mawalid during Ramadan? We don't have mawalid per se, but we have dhikr every Friday and Saturday after tarawih and on the last 10 days. Cozy Chloe, I have a question about the Prophet ﷺ. In Christianity, we go through Jesus as a bridge to God. I was told in Islam there is no intercessor like there is in Christianity, and it's a direct relationship between you and Allah. That's 100% correct. But we do have a bridge in the sense of our deeds are a bridge. You have to do something, right? Nobody is in charge of this relationship that you can't talk to God. No, you speak to Allah directly, but you're going to come to Allah with a deed, right? Fasting is a deed. Putting my hands up and praying with humility is a deed. Being on wudu is a deed. Being good to my dad and mom is a deed. Reciting Quran is a deed. But also there are deeds of the heart. Loving the right people. Loving your parents. right? Loving the ummah. Loving the, the scholars. Loving the righteous. Loving the prophets. Okay, All those are deeds of the heart too. So uh, that is the understanding that we go directly to Allah with something. It's not an intercessor in the sense, or or we should it's not an intermediary that we worship in lieu of God. We worship Allah directly, but through a deed or with a deed, not through even, with a deed. You go to Allah with what are you bringing him? You have to bring him something of worship, of dhikr. It could be of the limbs. It could be of the words. It could be of something you wrote for the ummah. It could be your heart, someone you love. Right, so that's what it means that you go with something to Allah. It's not by; it's with. What did the Prophet eat for suhoor and iftar? Suhoor, we don't know, but or I could say I don't know right now. Uh, maybe we could look it up. But for iftar, the Prophet broke his fast on dates and milk. That is very famously and well known. And um, what else he ate for iftar is. I don't think there's anything specific beyond that. It's that he broke his date with dates, milk, or water. Are we required to read the dua every day? Um, there's no required dua to read. All the dua are recommended. Do we start our fast once Fajr Adhan comes in? No, it's recommended to stop. As she mentions it. It's recommended to stop a few minutes early. Where, why that? Because there is a hadith in the Prophet said, recommended to stop eating the amount it takes to recite 60 verses. So that's about 10, 15 minutes. So that's called imsek. We should stop 10, 15 minutes before. But if you can't, you can eat right all the way up to the event. Let's say you, you had a late start. I've had someone beefing with me about that there's an ayah in Surah Al-Baqarah about like eating until like you hear the uh, yeah the, it's valid to eat but it's not recommended to eat all the way to the edge valid when Allah says eat and drink until the white becomes clear from the dark 
Okay. When Allah commands something, it does not mean it's a sunnah. It means it's permissible. Right? Eat and drink, but not to excess. What does that mean? Permissible. So it's valid to eat all the way up to the Adhan of Fajr. But that does not mean that's recommended. Muzammil says, how about reading Salah and Salam only during fasting, leaving all of God except recitation of Quran? No problem. Should we act as if our dua was already accepted and prepared to receive it? We should believe that our dua will be accepted. The Prophet rendered this as a condition. Certain. You should be certain that it's accepted. Of absolute certainty. May Allah accept your dua. Latifa Eidi says, How do you develop a good opinion of Allah if someone is a negative thinking person? Oh, this is excellent. And you know what it is? It's an excellent question. Look at what you've already been given. That's how you have a good opinion of Allah. And if you truly, your iman is clean and you understand Allah properly, you will have a good opinion of Him. But look at what you have already been given. Like there's nothing that you're going to ask for that's greater than what you've already been given. You've already been given life. Out of all the little sperm swimming around the egg, okay, you got in. Of all those, how many sperms are there? Okay. In one, you know, at one time, maybe it's in the millions. Who knows? I'm sure there's a statistic for it, right? But you got in. Then Allah gave you eyes. Then he gave you hidayah. He gave you prophets to guide you. Made you a Muslim. Gave you so much. So he's already given me so much. There's nothing that I'm going to ask that's greater than what he's already given me. So not only that, the famous story, the, the famous stories of dua that Allah has answered those people in the past should give you a, give a person an optimism. On top of that, you should be scared. Negative thoughts will produce negative results. I'm in the opinion of my slave. If he intent, if he assumes good, you're going to get good. If you assume bad, you're going to get bad. So however you think of Allah, that's what you're going to get. So you have something to lose by not having a good opinion of Allah. You have a lot to lose. And you have a lot to gain by having a good opinion. So these are all one, one things, uh, things that... Is there a dua? She asks. Yes. The, the constant recitation of Ya Rahman, Ya Rahim. Okay. Of all of the beautiful names of Allah. Like Ya Rauf, Ya Wadud. Okay. Rauf is compassionate. Wadud is loving. So have all those. Uh, many times the Prophet would compare the mercy of Allah with the mother. Right? Is your mother merciful to you? Would she give you everything she could possibly give you? Then Allah Ta'ala is a million times more merciful than that. He's the creator of your mother's mercy. And that's only one portion. Imagine you had two mothers, right? The, the mercy of two mothers in one person. Imagine the mercy of three moms in one. Imagine the mercy of 3,000 moms in one. Imagine the mercy of three million moms in one person. How merciful would that woman be? Imagine the mercy of 30 million moms in one person. And Allah on top of that says, all of the mercy that's in the earth from the beginning of time to the end of time is one part out of a hundred of my mercies. 
So imagine how many billions of people are on the earth right now? Like 8 billion? 4 billion being women? Moms. Imagine the mercy of 4 billion women in one woman. And that is not even all of humanity. And that is not even one out of a hundred of Allah's mercies. And they say, why Allah has not revealed all his mercy? Because you would melt. There would be no kafirs. It would be impossible to be a kafir if you saw that. So there would be no test. And this is a place of testing, right? Subhanallah. Question, Rai. Can you give all 60 meals to one family? Can you give all 60 meals to one family? I believe in one of the madhabs. You can do that for sure. I know that for sure. In the Madiki madhab, no, it's going to be different people. I am Madik says, if you're awake late at night, can you pray tahajjud before sleeping? You can pray, but it'll be counted as qiyam. Tahajjud requires you to sleep first, wipe away all the memories of the day, then wake up. Part of tahajjud is the waking up. If you break your fast unintentionally because you looked at a broken clock but thought that it was right and broke your fast, what do you do? If you broke your fast on a mistake of time, a genuine mistake of time, you owe one day and there's no sin against you. But you do owe one day. Maham invited her whole little crew here. Maybe not little. British, I think. What is the difference between breaking a fast intentionally and waking up intending not to fast that day? What is the difference between breaking the fast intentionally and intending not to fast that day? No difference at all. Because the pillars of fasting are intention and avoiding what breaks the fast. That's it. Right? So if you don't have one of those two, then you're not fasting. You owe kafara if you had to fast. What, uh, so here we have a question that is what's the best dua to get your parents to become easygoing and fair with you and for you to gain their birr easily is to constantly be saying Ya Latif, Ya Latif, Ya Latif constantly be calling on Allah Ya Latif, Ya Latif, Ya Latif then you pull his lutuf down and hopefully the people around you will become Latif Latif is gentle Muzammil says, it's narrated in hadith that at the time of breaking fast, dua is accepted. A hundred percent. One hundred percent. Bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Bi'idhnillahi ta'ala. Considering someone who didn't realize the severity of kafara, would they still be responsible for it? Yes. If someone didn't know how severe and how bad it was to break the Ramadan fast, is it still... A yes, unless they were actually thought as just a recommended fast. But if you, I think every Muslim child by seven years old knows that you have to fast Ramadan, so it is going the kafara will stand. Someone is asking the question here. Uh, is there a specific dua for tawfiq in doing good deeds for the sake of Allah? Best thing to do this is to study fiqh, to study the fiqh really well. That you know exactly this is what Allah wants us to do. And you have confidence in that. Then to study the signs of sincerity and signs of insincerity, hypocrisy, very well. Then you avoid those things. And then you go about, go about doing your actions with knowledge and sincerity.
and then you hope for the tawfiq. Then what is the dua of tawfiq? Rabbana taqabbal minna innaka anta as-sami'u al-alim wa tub alayna innaka anta at-tawwabu rahim I'll repeat it. Rabbana taqabbal minna in it's a Quranic dua. Innaka anta as-sami'u al-alim wa tub alayna innaka anta at-tawwabu rahim uh, There are other Quranic duas. This one is not uh, exactly as I said it. Is it uh, is the time before breaking the fast? When is the dua accepted? The moment that you're about to put the food in your mouth to break your fast, you make a dua. Whether it's before maghrib, slightly before maghrib, into after the event, that whole period of time. Random question: I know a baby. Someone named their baby Mikael. Is that okay? Yes, you can name your baby after an angel. It, of course, is the angel of the clouds. Tran Gazadeko says, and Gaza, and Gaza. Is it okay to make dua in sujood when someone else is leading in the salah? 100%. I get this question a lot. Maybe in the Hanafi method it's something. But we can make dua in sujood. Not only can, encouraged, should. We can make dua in, in the standing too. Ali Fatah says, what's the ruling of hanging family photos on the wall? Would it prevent angels to come in? It, it's possible in some of the opinions that it would. So you should put pictures in an album rather than hang them up on the wall. What is the limits of creative lying? You should not do tawriya. Tawriya is to say something where the words are technically true, but you know that someone else will misunderstand it. Don't do this a lot. Because it's going to create a habit of lying. It's, it's very close to lying. Right, don't do this a lot. Then your dreams will not be reliable. You will not receive good dreams because you yourself are a liar. Best thick in Ramadan. Al Quran wa dua. Number one and one and one a Quran and dua. One and one a. Everything else after that. Cozy Chloe says, also, do you have advice for a Ramadan plan for us? Like besides recitation of Quran, what else do you recommend that we place priority on this month? I would keep things very simple and post, keep in mind the times where dua is most accepted and never miss them. And then put yourself in aim for recitation of Quran each day and do that recitation. And then we'll have a structure. So we have, we will have three streams a day at some point and two on other points. So, Every single day on NBIC, on the MBSC YouTube page, we have the Adhkar of the morning, Surat Yasin, before that, and then a short talk up until the sun rises, after Suhoor, Eastern Standard Time. Then at 1.30, we have the stream. Then at 6.45, we go back to NBIC YouTube channel, NBIC's YouTube channel, and we have a, a virtual khatam, recitation of Quran, followed by dhikr and dua, and any community announcements. So the two spots you want to be, if you want, you know, help you keep you on a, on a certain schedule, then it's the MBIC YouTube channel right after suhoor and right before maghrib, about 40 minutes before maghrib. And then this stream in the middle of the day, we are going to go from Monday through Thursday. And then we're going to do this only for the first, uh, until the last 10 nights. Last 10 nights, we cancel all work. But we will still have the Fajr 
after Fajr and before Maghrib streams on the NBIC YouTube channel. Okay. When you recite Ya Latif, do you need to make the intention? It's good to make the intention, but if you don't, then even without it, you will get the result. Just like you don't have to. Yes, uh, you don't have to make intention to take take Tylenol, right? To drink water. Do you make intention for hydration? No. So likewise, some of these athkar are like that. It's not as an obligatory act of worship that requires a certain intention. These athkar work with your intention or not, but with the intention is better. So Maham is saying, Surah Al-Baqarah 127, yes, the dua, What I meant was that some people say, They add that, right? Can I get some recommendations on Hanafi fiqh? Books on Hanafi fiqh. MyArcView.org. MyArcView.org. You can learn Hanafi fiqh. And and he'll tell you the book too. Hey, Baba Khalas? Khalas, okay. Okay, how do I give you the lunch? Okay, that's not. Ruling on enemy statues in the room. Haram. When are we going to bring Sheikh Hamza Makbul back? When he's in New Jersey. No problem. I like having him around. Zena says, our story, are some duruds considered too heavy depending on the individual reciting them? You don't always need, no, you don't need permission for them. But if it's too long and too heavy and it's hard for you to swallow in your heart, then do something shorter. Who does Salah on the Prophet? How do you know if the dream is a sign from Allah or not from Shaitan? The dream from Allah is a short, okay, symbolic. Usually, it's always, it's usually short, but it's always filled with these symbols that a dream interpreter will be familiar with. The dream of Shaitan is scary and false. It's always scary. The dream from Allah is not necessarily so. All right. Cozy Chloe says, yes, NBIC YouTube channel. It's actually NBIC NJ because a long time ago, someone made an NBIC YouTube channel, left the community. We couldn't find the credentials. This was back when nobody cared about YouTube. So we had to re remake another one called NBIC NJ. All right. And that's our YouTube channel. You'll see uh, the logo of the masjid, red and black logo. And if you subscribe and hit uh, the bell for notifications, every time we go live, it'll come up as a notification on your phone. How does intention for fasting work? You just intend it in your heart. And you saw him. That's it. Okay. All right, folks. One more from you, Ryan. Then we got to go. All right. I'm going to try to find one that hasn't been touched on. Mm. Okay, Subhi says, where did wiping the face after dua derive from? Sunan al-Tirmidhi. Hadith, Sunan al-Tirmidhi, that the Prophet did it. What if it's a picture with Allah's name on the wall? No, that picture is fine. Pictures of humans and things, that's what we're talking about. Pictures of people on the wall is the issue. So Sister Zakiya said, what if it's a picture with Allah? No, that's a blessing. But you have to not put your feet towards that direction. So you have to be careful of that. Uh, it's, you know, just bad adab to do that so Hasib he says 
What if you were fasting according to one place in the U.S. and then you fly to Saudi where the date is a day behind? How do you suggest we complete our fast so that we don't end up fasting more than the month or less or whatever it is? Okay, we'll pick up on that tomorrow because it's a long one. Okay. Where the person says, if I'm fasting on one in one place, I, I move country to another place. And they're behind in the day so that if I fast with them now, it's going to be 31 days of Ramadan for me. We'll answer that question tomorrow. Uh, quick question that uh, Junaid M celebrating birthdays. It is neither mandub nor is it something that is forbidden. We wouldn't say it's haram. However, their stuff could be in it that's haram. Okay. Uh, hadith in it that's haram. Uh, I mean, actions in it that's haram, such as excess burdening the people. That could be makru, not haram, makru, right? Um, Wayfair says, isn't the hadith of wiping the face da'if? We're, we're allowed to act upon da'if hadiths that are not obligations or prohibitions or doctrines, right? So we are allowed to act upon weak hadiths. If someone's unable to speak, does their salah count and the reading in their heart? That's how they do it. If they cannot speak, you would just recite it in your mind. Thank you all very much. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk wal asr innal insana lafi khusr illa alladhina amanu wa amilu salihat wa tawassaw bil haqq wa tawassaw bis sabr wassalamu alaykum